Hey, welcome. We're so grateful that you're here today. God celebrates today just like we as Christians should because this day in history for me is one of the days that the world got it right. They celebrated Jesus as he came into who he's supposed to be, the savior of this world. And that's what we're here to do to celebrate today. And this is a historical day. It's a great day. We've got a day to celebrate what God is and who he is into our life and how he came in on a donkey and how we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday as we try and put branches out. We even have a donkey out there for all of you. Other donkeys, go take a picture and let people know that you are really in for what God is doing in your life. I want to take a brief history into uh into the world on a few different areas. Look at how history began. First of all, it began with transportation. I don't know if you guys are familiar with transportation, but they always say, hey, we invented the wheel, and you go through this timeline, and at one point, something happens where in, in 1672, a guy made a steam car for the emperor of China. That's our first automobile. But then it goes through the idea of a motorcycle to the cars that we're driving today, and now they're solar. They're still on the ground, but listen to the, uh, look at the evolution of that. And the second thing is communication. Have you guys seen this? Communication goes with smoke signals, a carrier pigeon, and somewhere in there's letters. Remember the things we used to write in mail? You used to have those, and they'd come in the mail, and you were super excited. You have pen pals. And then you had Morse code, and now you have this technology, wireless radio, handheld devices. Things have changed. Another one in history is farming, and my buddy Will was talking to me about farming. We all used to be hunters and gatherers. Did you realize that? Everybody did one of those two, and since we've started to farm, it started with just individuals, everybody feeding for themselves, to now we have corporate farms. And I don't know about you, my farming goes at Vaughn's because they've got some good veggies there and some good fruit, right? That's where we do our farming. And so it's changed. Couple more. How about the light? It first started with fire. I mean, sun and then fire. And then there was oils and then candles all the way to the electric light bulb. And then it goes to the LED one that's saving us all kinds of electricity, even as our electricity bill goes up, right? I've switched them all out and I'm still paying more. I don't know how that happens, but something's happening. And here's the last one. It's military, and it's very fitting today. The book of, the book of, uh, of uh, Ephesians was written in a military language, Koinonia Greek. And in this, there's something that happens. Before the 6th century B.C., it was sticks and stones may break my bones. But then in the 6th century, there was this crossbow that started shooting projectiles. And then uh, many years later, there's this gunpowder and then a cannon. And today we've got GPS, we've got... Uh, uh, drones and we've got nuclear warheads and there's all kinds of military options and the point of all of this is this at some point in history there was some sort of power change some sort of power supply some sort of power that impacted history from transportation to communication to farming some sort of power came into the light where we could see some sort of power came into the military and with that power revolution things change and that change needs to happen for someone in here today because we're going to talk about power someone in this room 
doesn't realize that there's a powerful God that can take them through whatever they're going through. It doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 105 years old. The power of God can start right now. And we're going to see how that works today. And I believe someone online's watching and they're just not in the right mindset. And they're on their last leg in their mind saying, I've quit, I can't do it, I can't go on anymore. But God's Holy Spirit is saying, I've got you. Just watch and stay and, and listen to what God's power is. And if you're outside, you guys have the power, right? <laughs> but someone out there is going to be even more energized. And the idea here is that we're going to pray that God gives us the power to walk through because the world is in a funky place right now. Everybody say funky. We're in a funky place right now. We need to get out of that and into the will of God and the power of God. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And we ask that these words, as we close the book of Ephesians, will in, energize us and bring power in your name. I pray that someone online who needs the power will feel it right now and be glued to their TV or their phone. And I pray that these words from Ephesians will jump off the pages and into our heart and that we will activate that Holy Spirit and we will activate the mighty power of God. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And I know that you want to do something with someone today. So, Lord, do your work, and we'll be obedient and watch it happen. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So Paul comes to the conclusion of his book. This book is written to a church in Ephesus, and he's here, and he's preaching this message, and it's through the written form of communication because the written word and the written communication is timeless, just like God's word is timeless. And here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, open it up. If not, we have it on the screen. I'm reading from the NLT, and here's what it says. A final word. So in some of your translations, maybe it says finally. And so now he's bringing everything that has happened in the previous chapters. And he says, now let me close the chapter. And what he means here is this, that in the first couple of chapters, he established a bunch of truths, truths that we hold on to. And here's some of those truths, truths that we have in Christ. Number one, that we are a child of God. That is a truth for those that call themselves a believer. Number two, that I am adopted, even if I feel like that orphan spirit spirit is leading me away from God I'm adopted into Christ number three that we are a masterpiece everybody say I'm a masterpiece I'm a masterpiece and when we understand that we then become close to God those are truths and then he talked about for a couple weeks unity and oneness trying to come together instead of being divided and our country is divided our church is divided our hearts are divided and we need to come together and celebrate Christ and then in verse 3 he says I pray from these unlimited resources I pray from this glorious standpoint that we all would receive this mighty power from the Holy Spirit and today he's going to kind of activate that and put it all together. We have this power and he wants to change us. So here's what it says. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everybody say mighty power. I need you guys to wake up and so I'm going to have you speak so you can experience the mighty power. Because we are heading into Holy Week and we need to show you the passion of Jesus Christ. And how we do that is receive the mighty power of God. I love golf claps. It's Master's Weekend, so it's good. 
So it says, be strong in the Lord. Literally, the Apostle Paul in the Greek is saying this. He's saying, strengthen yourselves in Christ. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. And he's really referring to this place in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, where David says, uh, David writes, he found strength in the Lord our God, in the Lord his God. We find strength. We need to find strength in God. Right now we're finding strength in our checking account or our work or our spouse or our kids. We're finding it in our vehicle, our home. We're finding it in everywhere else but God because we're not tapping into the right power. And if your phone is your favorite thing today, throw it away. Everybody grab your phone and throw it. I know it's funny, but if you did that, your life would be good. I'm trying to fast my phone this week because it's really stopping me from truly getting into effective ministry. So when we're talking about finding this mighty power, it's not passive. What happens is it's like we get into this mindset and I just kind of wash myself. I, I got the power of God. I got the power of God. And I'm just going to sit in, in my car or in my house or on my couch just thinking I got the power of God and that an in and out cheeseburger is going to show up. It's not. Unless you door dashed it and then even then you got to get off the couch and go to the door. Because they usually don't come in and get to your couch. I mean, some of that works, but really it's not, it's, it's an active thing. It's a mutual thing. And it's not me self-willing it, going, I've got the power and I can do everything. It's not that either. It's this mutual submission to God, bringing us together and, so that we can understand it. In some of your texts, it talks about might and power, different than the NLT. And here's what it means. Uh, a, a strong man has might. You know, they've been working and building up, or a woman working and building up, so their body is full of muscle. And then the power part is actually using that. So you got might, which is working on your body, and, 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 and power actually using it with the, with the strength that God has given you. The idea here is if a weak man can barely stand, but he tries to put on this full armor of God, he won't be able to actually wear the armor or use the armor because he's weak and he'll be easily beaten. So the idea here as we start into the full armor of God today is we need to equip ourselves and be ready the, the mighty power of God. And, 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 and who's a military person in here? Who's been in the military? Thank you for serving. We appreciate you guys serving. Yeah, we can clap for that. If you've been in the military, you go through this thing called basic training. And the idea here is to build up your might and your muscle so that at some point you can actually carry the equipment they're going to put on your back here in a second. That's the whole idea is to build it up. And that's what Paul's talking about. This is a military language. This is a military concept today. And he's going to really help us understand that. So here's what it says. It says, put on all, uh, put on all of God's armor so that you will able, be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We need to get into our basic training mindset so that we can put this armor on so that you can start playing correctly against your enemy and winning. Who likes to win? I'm really bad, honestly. God's honest truth, I have got the worst poor sport. I hate losing. I was camping last week and I lost 16 times in a row. Uh, it was terrible. I almost lost myself. I couldn't handle it. I've been practicing all week, so... I love to win, but listen, I've never really won until I started living for Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants you to do. Some of you aren't winning. Some of you 
aren't winning. And God wants to equip you so that you can go against your enemy like you've never gone before. And that's what God is going to do. So he says, put on this armor so that we can kind of thwart the strategies of this evil one. There's somebody out there that's against you that wants to make everything that you love opposite and destroyed and, and disconnected. And so here he uses this. And as we talk about the full armor of God, Paul uses this full armor of God, and it's only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's where Jesus is communicating to a group of people, and there's a bunch of Jewish leaders there, and they're telling him, you must be of the devil. You must be of Satan. The only way that you can get rid of uh, the devil's curses is you must be a demon yourself. And Jesus says, how can a house, how can a kingdom be divided? Evil can't get rid of evil, or over time it will destroy itself and so you guys know that place and in the middle of that story he tells this story Jesus speaks of this strong man who is fully armed but is stripped of his armor when a stronger one comes in and defeats him he's talking about this man being Satan that's full of this armor but knowing that Jesus when he comes in his armors bigger and badder and always wins and that's the armor that he's trying to put on to us today. The armor that Jesus talks about that he has on his back. This is the favorite part of the sermon today, so I'm glad you're here. Pay attention. Here's the thing about the armor. It's twofold. There's two parts of the armor. Number one, pretty obviously, the armor is from God. So that first part is the armor that we're going to talk about today, the armor that some of you are going to be the first time equipping yourself is from God. The second thing, which is really interesting, it's actually God's armor. If you look at Isaiah 59, like 16 to 19, it talks about this armor that our Savior wears, this armor that God has given put on himself and he shares that armor with us when jesus came into the world he was fully armed with this armor of god and now the apostle paul says because he has ascended into the into the heavens we now get to experience that armor through the holy spirit the armor that jesus wore is here today for all of us to suit up and show up in and that's the beautiful thing about the armor of God. It, we are equipped by God's armor, and then it says, no wonder why it says that we are more than conquerors. Because if we are fully armed the way that God wants to, we can conquer anything. And that should be praised. And that's why people were shouting Hosanna, because they knew this man had power, but he used the power differently than they thought. And that's exciting for me, because today we need that power more than ever. Verse 12, this might be the most important for many of you if you're new in faith. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authority of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits, listen, in the heavenly places. So the, the thing here is Paul's not calling you and me into spiritual warfare. Paul's saying we are in spiritual warfare. We are at war. Everybody say we're at war. We are at war. You're not being called into battle. You've been in the battle. The, 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 today we're trying to get you to start fighting that battle correctly with Christ as your lead, uh, lead player in that battle. 
He's saying simply, we're in the battle, and it's time for the church to rise up and fight this battle correctly. There's dark forces, dark powers, there's unseen evil things that are happening, and we need to understand that, number one, and then we need to fight it correctly. It's kind of like sci-fi stuff, like Star Wars or Star Trek, where they come in and there's this blob in the universe that they've never seen before. And what's happening is we need to submit to that and equip ourselves so that we can fight correctly. If you don't know this, you're probably not winning the battle. And if you ignore this, you're definitely not winning the battle. And that's not what Paul wants. That's not what Christ wants. And the Holy Spirit is shaking some of you inside saying, wake up. Rise up, old church. Wake up. And live in the power that God has given us. So what's, what is he saying? We are not fighting against human beings. We are not fighting it. Christians forget this all the time. How do I know that? How do I know Christians forget it? Because every battle that you have in this world is with another human being. We're fighting a, 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 a political regime. We're fighting a, a COVID regime. We're fighting, uh, you know, it's not Russia. It's not China. It's the evil one. And what we're doing is we're putting it human, and it's really spiritual. And so our job is to get spiritual so we can fight it correctly, and then watch us get to the other side of this. And what's happening is the church is divided, and we're not living uh, unity, and we're not fighting spiritually unified. And because of that, we're going 100 different directions, thinking that the shotgun blast will work. And so we have to stand true to what God is saying, and we need to equip ourselves. And it breaks my heart that the church is struggling. We're heading into Easter. This is Christian New Year. And the church is struggling and has been for years because we're not unified. And today, I'm going to give you that power. Not because it's mine to give. It's because I'm the one up here shouting. And I want you to get a hold of what God is saying. And maybe you've heard a message like this a hundred times. You're here for a reason today, and God wants to energize you. He wants to plug you in maybe for the first time so that you can experience what he has. Listen to what Paul writes. He has the same idea. In multiple places in the Bible, he writes in the New Testament to other churches. And here's one that he says in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. We are humans, but we not, do not wage war as humans do. Th this is who we are. I'm a human, but what we do as humans is we wage war by doing our normal protesting and getting angry and writing letters instead of fighting a spiritual battle. He says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So if you're not happy with something going on, it's not getting out there and putting a sign up. Not that that's bad. But really, it's getting on your knees and giving it to God and saying, your banner reigns. That's how we fight the battle. And when we get into a spiritual position of praying, then God's battle and the God's unity brings us together. And when we're together, it's almost un uh, uh, impossible to break us when we're all together. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the, 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 the 48 churches in Ventura County or the 68 churches from, from Agoura all the way to Santa Barbara. When we're together, it's impossible. But when we're preaching against each other, yeah, we can't win. 
And the only thing that unifies us is God's word. We're going to get into that. He says then this, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. That resist is this active. This Greek word is resist. It's active and it's infinitive, meaning it's constantly going. I have to resist each and every day. When I wake up, resist. When I get my cup of coffee, resist. When I go to work, oh my God, there's all kinds of evil, resist. When I go to school, resist. It's active, it's infinitive, it's constant. I have to keep moving. And that's what he says. And then it says, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Standing firm, and the main purpose of the armor of God is fighting spiritual battles. And the, uh, the idea of this spiritual warfare is that I arm myself so that I can resist the devil and stand firm in the power of Christ. Not my own power. My own power, I get arrested and locked up. My own power gets me into places that I don't want to go. God's power gets me into a place where people are free and healed and, and, and repentant and change occurs. And so what we're talking about, the Greek word here talks about standing firm in what's been established, standing firm in this covenant that we have in Christ. And so when I'm standing firm, I'm standing on the established covenant that God has put in my heart, that I'm a child of God, that I'm adopted, that I'm a masterpiece, and nothing on this earth can destroy that. <laughs> nothing. Without the strength of God, without his protection, his spiritual armor, without any of this, it's impossible to stand attack the, the spiritual enemy. This week, I just finished reading through the book of Job, and the enemy's out there, and God lets the enemy go and kind of have his way with Job, and he does that with us. He wants to see where you really are. Do you have integrity or don't you? And he says, do you want to fight and win battles? Use me. If you want to continue to use, uh, lose, use yourself. Here's what we stand on. Here's what Christians should stand on. And this is what Paul wants us to understand before we put this armor on. He says we need to stand in grace. We need to stand in the gospel. We need to stand in strength and courage. We need to stand in our faith. We need to stand in Christian freedom. We need to stand in Christian freedom. Read Galatians chapter 1. It's not my American rights. It's my Christian citizen of heaven rights. That's the freedom that he's talking about. We need to stand in, the, in, in Christian unity. And we need to stand in the Lord. And if you're willing, we should stand in perfect and complete will of God together. We should let the will of God transform us and bring us together to unify us. And this is that historical power change that can happen in your life. This is that change in your history, his story. If you allow God to intercede and become your power source right now, he can change your life no matter how old you are. You can be 105 and God can touch that person and, and enlighten their life or change their life in a flick of an eye. So who wants that change? Yeah, I do. I've been praying all week. I've been praying all week for myself, not for you. A couple times I prayed for you. But listen, I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry for this. And you should be too. And that's what we're talking about here today. Verse 14, stand your ground as I'm standing in grace and in the gospel and in courage and strength. Stand your ground and put on the belt of truth and, and the body armor of righteousness. Now listen, over the next six or eight minutes, I'm going to talk about these full armor of God. That's not enough time. We've done an eight-week sermon series over this. It was a long time ago, and maybe we'll put something together in the summer to do a full, uh, a full spiritual warfare thing in the summer and, and, and get you guys equipped correctly. But here's some things to get you inspired to start fighting the battle correctly. So we're talking about stand your ground. Now, the first thing that's put on is the belt. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the last thing I put on is usually my belt. But the idea here, as a warrior, I'm putting on and I'm using this belt to gather all my clothes so when my clothes are gathered, then I can put armor on my body. If I don't have my clothes gathered, it's going to be all over the place. And so that's the first truth. And the, the thing that we're gathering here is we're gathering the truth of God. That's the first part. Now, the thing about the belt of truth is it never's off of us. It's always, in our, it's always on our being. I don't know, if you've ever seen a warrior, they take off their armor, they take off their shield, their helmet and all that, but they always have the belt on because the belt never leaves them. They always use it. It's an accessory to their, to their normal clothes. And so as I gather truth, this belt of truth, I'm ready for action. The first thing you need to do is make sure you have these truths correctly. Let me give you a couple of verses. John 4, uh, 14, 6 says Jesus is the truth. Uh, the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't know that truth, then you're struggling in fighting your battle. You don't even have a foundational truth of Christians. The best one is in John 17, a few chapters up, where G Jesus is praying for you and I. He's praying for the apostles, and he's praying for himself. And listen to what he says, John 17, 17. Here's what he says about truth. He says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Listen to, listen to this. I have all kinds of opinions. Some of them are founded in some factual evidence. But when I made my life about God's truth, my life instantly switched. It instantly changed. Not because I understood and agreed with everything, but I started to make the truth of God's word my true north so that every day I look to this, not to the star, not to anything else, but look to God through his truth. And when I gather that truth, then I can put on this full armor of God. And the second one is then this righteousness. Is maybe yours says breastplate of righteousness. But really what it is is this righteousness of God's body armor. When I'm right with God, I, I'm walking right. I then have this ability to walk in this world and protecting with this body armor. And the idea of the breastplate of righteousness, it's really to protect your internal organs. If I get hit in the heart, by a, you know, a, a, an arrow or something, it's going to kill me instantly. So these organs need to be protected. That's why today you see people wear these bulletproof vests because they're trying to protect the vital organ because they know without that, you know, it's an instant kill shot, so to speak. So this righteousness, which just means I live right for God. I try and do right even when nobody's watching. I'm trying to live right for God. Now, this isn't my own righteousness. This isn't uh, a feeling. This is righteousness because of faith, meaning I live in faith because of who Christ is. It's not about me. 
I can't earn this. We get self-righteous as Christians. We're like, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to church, and I, I believe this. And that's self-righteous. That's not God's righteous. God's righteousness is doing the right thing even when you know that, that, that you, that you want to do something else or even when nobody's watching. That's the righteousness that we're talking about here. And when I have this body armor on, when I have this bulletproof vest of Christ on, it gives me a sense of confidence. It gives me a sense of awareness to stand in this position. And the body armor really is to protect me from spiritual depression, that doom and gloom mindset. You know why? Christians and Christianity and reading the Bible, Joseph had to wait 13 years to get to a place where he could begin to, uh, to aspire to what he was supposed to be. 13 years. Abraham, 25 years. Moses, 40 years. Jesus, 30 years. Sometimes in our life, it just seems like it's kind of chugging along. And we need the strength. And when I have the body armor of God, I'm just like, I'm living this life regardless if it looks good. Regardless if it feels good. I'm doing it because I know God is good. So the breastplate or the body armor helps us stay out of that doom and gloom mentality. The next one is the shoes, but really it's, it's more than the shoes. It says, for the shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Really, it, it, it should be fully prepared on the front end. Usually it says, uh, for the shoes, put on so that you're ready with the gospel to bring in and live in the peace of God. That's what other translations say. And the idea here is preparation prepares for a foundation. If, you're, if you've ever done any construction, if you've done any of that, you have to prepare the ground before you build. You just don't throw stuff up. It doesn't work that way. You have to prepare. And so we're trying to get to a foundational level, and it comes with the good news. The gospel provides us a footing. When I'm living in my life and I know the gospel and I know what Jesus is and I know that he died and rose again, I can live on that and I can build on that and I can grow in that because I believe in that and then I can share that. However, if the rest of your body is strength, if you're, if you're strong all the way up, but your feet are weak, you're probably going to be easy prey. And the gospel and the peace that comes from the gospel allows me to be ready. Do you guys ever watch those wild animal shows where you see them and there's a whole herd and the only ones that get eaten are those that have bad footing? And that's what happens in our church today. Because we don't have our feet in the gospel. We're not living for the gospel. And beyond that, we're not ready to present the gospel. And that's why the church is struggling. We need to be activated and let the gospel win out and be our footing. Julius Caesar, one of the great Roman empires that really helped the Roman Empire uh, uh, kind of succeed. He was the emperor. He actually designed footwear like Nike to actually win battles. He's known for these footwear that had like cleats and this shot over it. And because of that, they could take over terrain more than the, any other warrior. And they did, dominated those people because they had amazing footwear. If you're trying to run a marathon and you're running on vans, you're probably not running very well. They'll last about two miles because they're not built. And that's what God is saying. So the real idea here is to be ready. This readiness, being mobile, flexible, and you're ready with the gospel truth. 
readily in your hand, available so that you can give it away. And it reminds me, when I was locked up, if you guys don't know, I was locked up almost 20 years ago. And when you're locked up, people, even though they're not supposed to do it, they live racially. These people live over here, and there's segregation in there, and that's just how you survive, right? And the racial car or the racial group that I was a part of basically said we couldn't be on our bunks from 8 in the morning until 8 at night. So 12 hours, you were basically off of your bunk. Other people were on their bunk all day long, but not us. We weren't allowed to because we needed to be ready, and that's what God is saying. I need to be ready from 8 to 8 or 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Whatever shift you're working, you need to be ready because the battle never goes away. Paul refers to this again. Uh, 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 Isaiah talks a lot about the spiritual armor that God has. And here's what he says. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. This is what Paul's referring to, that the shoes that bring peace. He says, that bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, uh, who say to Zion, our God reigns, mighty God, you are all powerful and you reign over this earth, regardless if I like it or not, you reign. And here, Paul is trying to solidify this armor that God wears so that we can wear that same armor today. Verse 16 says this, in addition to, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Some of your translations say above all. One of the reasons why I love the NLT, it actually pulls the Greek out and spells it out. It's not above all, it's addition to. It's not better than, it's just part of the full armor of God. And this was critical extremely critical in that day because there was a lot of false talk, coarse talk. There was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of persecution and there was a lot of political turmoil in that era. A lot of political turmoil. The Christians wanted a savior more than anything else and it was a political savior, not a spiritual savior. And today, we want that too. And it's very appropriate. Here's what you need to know. There's always been fiery arrows, and there always will be fiery arrows. And what we have is we have a shield of faith that shields me from it, and it leads me to greater hope. When I have faith in my life, it shields me from all that's coming at me so that I can walk through it. So my thoughts and my feelings and my dreams and my fears and my lies, they can all be hurled at me by Satan. But if I have this shield, I can actually block it and move on and live in the hope that God wants me to live. Now, this shield isn't like Captain America. I saw my buddy Paul had this Captain America. It's not like that little uh, Captain America shield. It's actually a full body shield. You see them in riots when they've got this big shield and they all can get behind it and they build this wall it's actually that kind of shield it reminds me i don't know if you've ever seen this picture there's the fire the fire um uh, firemen have this blanket and you can actually shield themselves and this is actually a picture of this guy that was a firefighter that got caught into a fire this is the kind of shield that you have in christ when the fire roars over you if you put the shield on you can actually be saved the fire won't affect you. You'll live through that. And that's what we see in this shield of faith. It allows the fiery arrows not to destroy us. Verse 17, put on the salvation of your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. These are the last two, and then we'll close this letter. The first one is the helmet of salvation. I need to put on my salvation. 
too often we don't even talk about it or use my salvation. I said I got saved many years ago in a Baptist church in 1952. Not me personally, but somebody did. And what happens is, is like, we never talk about that salvation. The truth is, my salvation is alive, and each and every day, I put it on as part of my, my ma- mindset, and I'm like, I am saved in Christ, and uh, my hope is in the Lord. And so I wear that every day of my life. And what this does is it puts us up against that discouragement and that desire to quit. How many times during the week and how many times during life do we want to quit? Constantly, I can't go another day. I can't go anymore. And what we do is we put on this helmet of salvation and we keep going. I can do this because I'm saved. And it's not just saved uh, in Christ. I'm saved because of Christ. And in that salvation, I, I get to know that no matter what happens to me, that my victory is his and that he is ultimately the victory. And that's what we wear. And that's the, por- the place that keeps us out of discouragement. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians says. Paul writes to the church here in another letter. He says, but we belong to the day. Let us be sober, putting on the faith and love as breastplates. Again, he's talking about this armor. And then he says, and the hope of salvation as the helmet. We are heading into Easter week. And many of us are are super excited about Easter week. And our hope is that you will be excited and bring other people so that we can present the gospel and they can have that same power change in their life. And beyond that, that someone here will have that power change and make church part of their everyday life. Because we need it. And the last part is the offensive weapon. So I've got this full armor of God, right? I've got all these pieces on me. I've got the belt of truth. I've got the breastplate of righteousness. I've got these shoes that allow me to be ready. And I've got this shield of faith. And now I'm putting on my salvation. And now I get the offensive weapon. Now I get a weapon to start uh, making offense. And it's not like beating Josh up here with this. Too often we want a Bible thump. And that's not the type of weapon. The way that it's a weapon is by reading it and seeing what God is saying to you and how God is speaking to your heart and how God is uh, allowing your heart to actually say, this is the weapon that God wants to do and he wants us to open it up. And this is the power change in our life. This is the one thing that I have done almost every day since I became a believer is read the Bible. Every day. And it's sometimes boring, it's sometimes not fun, I sometimes fall asleep. But God doesn't care. Everybody say, God doesn't care. He's just hoping, he's just happy. Praise God, Jeff, because when you don't read this, you're an idiot. You can laugh, but true, trust me. Those that know me before, they ain't laughing. They're saying, preach it, Jeff, because you were an idiot. This is the weapon that God has given us. And the idea is the spirit of heaven brings us a sword. The the Bible wasn't written instantly and we got it. It was different. It was brought down by heaven from the spirit. And and it was written down so that we can use it. And it's a spiritual weapon that gives us the power of God. And the sword is the word of God. And one of the things that we need to do to effectively use the weapon of God is to believe in it. 100% believe in it. Even if you don't like all the words, it doesn't mean that. You, You like, you know, we like living in this country and most of you can't agree on what political regime we believe in. But you don't leave. 
You don't go to another country because it's worse. The idea here is there's some tough words in here. Give it to God and see what he says. Give it to God and let him be the weaponry. We must revere the word of God. And if we lack confidence in it and, and we lack the authority of it, we're end up going to have in this power loss. It's like having a car with no transmission, having a car with no engine, having a car with no wheels. It means nothing. You're just sitting out in the driveway going vroom, vroom, vroom and going nowhere. The weapon has to be part of you believing it and struggling with it and wrestling with it and letting God figure it out. I must believe in the Spirit and then I must practice it. If I'm really going to be a good warrior, I've got to start practicing it so that when the battle comes, I'm ready for it. Here's what Psalm uh, 43 says. Put on your sword, O mighty warrior, so, you're, so you are glorious and majestic and you're living in the power of God. Put on this and make it work for your life. We need to use this right now. We need to use this right now. We're at a war and we need this. We're battling things that are unseen. We're battling and struggling with things that we don't really understand, but it doesn't mean that we can't win. When I grasp this, when I act upon this, I'm activating God's mighty power. So let me ask you this. I need to get to the end here. Who needs this mighty power of God today? Yeah, amen. If I raised my hand, and even if I didn't, I know we all need it. But here's the better question. As we look around the church, as we look outside, and if you're online, the church really needs to come back and grow again. Like we were pre-pandemic and like we were 50 and 100 years ago when it was our own, the only thing that was in our entertainment in the turn of the 19th century to the 20th century was church. I can remember my grandmother telling me that her main activity was going to church and getting an apple for Christmas Eve, and that was her major gift. The church was her whole life, and it needs to be our life too. We need power, and we need authority. Let's move on. Here's another piece of power that, that Paul uses. He doesn't really put it in the, uh, uh, the full armor of God, but it's prayer. And it says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. One of the tools that we can use to fight these battles is through prayer. And one of the things the Lord has been saying to me all week long is prayer is the most effective ministry. My, my brother gave me a, a my, my friend gave me a devotion of this man's Wigglesworth and it's prayer is the most effective ministry. And if you're not praying, you're not being effective in your ministry and that, that's what Paul wants you to know. And here's the thing, pray for everyone. Not just the ones you love. Pray for the, the terrorists. Pray for the opposite political party. Pray for the people that you hate as well as you pray for the people you love. And watch your life change because God's like, finally, you're getting it. That's the power that we receive in prayer. Verse 19, verse says this, and pray for me too. Pray for me too. I don't know if you guys know that, but... Pastors need prayer. And I'm not just talking to you, and I appreciate it. Over the last three or four months, I've had people come up just like, I know it's heavy, and I know you need prayer, and I appreciate your prayer. But pray for your old pastors. Pray for your youth pastors. You know, pray for people that are in ministry. It is hard. 
has been the hardest season. The last couple years. And Paul is saying that same thing. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains. I am in, uh, I am in the chains now and still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly as I should. And here's what's happening. Paul is heading towards trial. He's heading towards a place where he is going to go and speak. And we see that at the end of the book of Acts 27, 28, where he's speaking and he's trying to go before the leaders in Rome. And all he's trying to do is pray for me so that I have the right word so that I can speak to Jews and Gentiles alike and they can hear the gospel message. And he says that today for us to People are in ministry. We struggle. Tr trust me. All the time. And we, we go through a lot more than many imagine. And it's hard. And so if you have a few moments, pray for this pastoral team and pray for the other pastoral teams in the past. I promise you, we need it. Verse 21, to bring you up to date. And so now Paul has gotten this letter and he's written it. Now he's going to tie a bow on it and he's going to give some credit as where credit should do. He says, to bring you up to date, Tychius will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. How he is going into Rome and how he's getting ready to be persecuted and chained and go in and preach the gospel. And he says... He is a beloved brother of a faithful helper of the Lord, in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. One of the forms of communication back then was me sending a letter to you at your house and sending it with a personal person, and they would show up and say, hey, this is from Paul, and people would receive that letter like it was Paul himself. And Tychius was one of those people that was often used as a messenger. And so it's super important that we understand that was a form of communication. If a king sent the letter to another king, it was like the king speaking to each other. And then we come to this close, and I love this close, and it says this, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and may the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness, and may the grace, uh, may God's grace be eternally upon all who are all who love and are in our Lord Jesus Christ. May God receive this. And it goes back to the very first verse in, in, in 1 verse 3. Is this all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realm. That's the blessing now, and he's saying all of us now go back to that and receive the blessing that God has given us from above. And I just want to close with this. There's a lot of scripture for me to go through today. But we want to close this up because we got a new sermon next week. My story was changed when I put the power of the gospel in my life and it became his story. I'm up here because God put the power of his words in my heart and soul and it took me to places I've never thought I would go. And I'm just telling you that, not because I want praise, because I want you to have the same power. God's power is available for all of us and it's mighty and it unlocks amazing things and all I need to do is suit up 
and show up and clothe myself in the full armor of God. It's not like Mormon underwear. It's an invisible armor that you wear every day. And this is how we make war in our country. This is how we make war as citizens of heaven. We put on this full armor of God. It's this unlimited power to save us, to redeem us, to heal us, to transform us, to bring forgiveness to that person that needs forgiveness today. And ultimately, here's the thing. It raises us from the dead. We used to be dead, but now we're alive because Jesus Christ rises. And as we head into Passion Week, we need to realize the dead will rise again because we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Three questions. Which piece of armor are you missing? Number two, which one don't you understand? But for most of us, the question is, who can you help equip with their body armor? As we head into Holy Week, we, we get the opportunity to help others get equipped with this. Church is about equipping other people and getting my equipment done right. If you have the armor, you're living in the power of God. And one of the ways that you tune up your armor is sharing it with another person. So let's pray today and watch God work. Let's pray today and watch the miracles happen. Let's pray today and watch the power of God go out into the church and fill all the churches in Ventura County and California and the world this Easter week as we celebrate the holiness of God. Father, we love you. And I praise you for what you are doing in this church right now. There's someone here that's unlocking and unleashing this armor of God, and they're going to start wearing it today and live in the power that you have given them. And I pray right now they equip themselves and live in your glory. I pray someone outside is washed over the forgiveness of the love of God and now living in freedom. And I pray for the kids that are hearing about the message of Jesus and are going to take their picture of the donkey, that they will receive the glory of God. And I pray right now someone is healed in the name of Jesus. And one of the ways that we're healed is by receiving the gospel. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, all you have to do is say a simple prayer. Believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. And it goes like this. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. I know you died upon the cross for me. And I know you rose again. Thank you for all that you've done, Lord. Help me equip myself with the full armor of God right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.